All right, how's everybody doing? Welcome to Monday. Oh my God, it's Monday already. Can you believe it's August already? Wow, hopefully everybody had a good weekend. Everybody stayed away from each other. Everybody wore masks, everybody socially distanced, but you did get out and hear some music because some of the clubs are actually open here in Chicago, which is an exciting development, although they're very limited, so they need your support. So as usual, get out there and support all the different clubs, which I'm gonna run down in a second. But of course, I have to introduce myself that I always forget at the beginning to introduce myself, but you already know who I am because this is episode 85 of Chicago Music Revealed. I'm Mike Jeffers, ChicagoJazz.com, Chicago Jazz Magazine, and the program director and entertainment director at the soon-to-be opening September 1, Epiphany Center for the Arts right there in the West Loop, 201 South Ashland Avenue, three music venues, all COVID safe. We have a particular protocol that we're putting in place. In addition, we're going to be launching an entire pay-per-view live stream platform that's going to coincide with our opening. So stand by for all of that. I know I promised some announcements last week, but we're having a little bit of some, what do you call it? Merchant account situations where we've got to get everything up and running before we can start selling tickets, which will happen hopefully fingers crossed by Wednesday. We'll be selling tickets and then I'm going to be talking way more about it than you'll even want to hear. So stand by for that and uh, and get ready because it's going to be exciting. So that's opening up September 1, of course. All right. Now, without further ado, I am. We had a little scheduling scheduling thing last week, but we're making it work. It's going to it's uh, we're back honor to have on Tana Alexa, who is now on the show. How are you, Tana? I'm doing Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm I'm doing great. Hopefully you are staying safe and staying healthy out there in New York, which is, uh, you know, obviously another another incredible spot for uh, music. And that, you know, we had to shut that whole thing down, obviously, uh, back yeah. when everybody else shut down. So are things starting to sort of get back to normal a little bit out there? I mean, so far we've been, you know, some restaurants have opened up and there's a lot of outdoor people are wearing up until this point that mostly people are being careful and uh, as far as the music is concerned you know some clubs have started to do um, performances on the sidewalk so yep. the inside that's been some venues have done um, uh, basically live bands inside of the clubs but live streaming to their platforms and other clubs haven't been open at all so yep. it's um New York is uh, not New York at the moment from the standpoint of a musician, unfortunately. It's well, uh, definitely, we, we miss the New York that we love so much. Well, and I, I also think, and it's the same thing here in Chicago, I also think that, um, you know, this is going to be the reality of it for a little while because this is like not nothing like anything that any of us have ever gone through before because who's lived through a pandemic? Lucky us, nobody. So we're kind of dealing with it and, and making our way through it. And technology-wise, we're all connecting. And that's why we're on the show connecting about this. But let's not linger on that because we all know the situation. We've got to talk about your brand new recording. And uh, <laughs> I mean, what a I, I can't stress this enough. Now, in the, the first listen, I need to go back because there are a heck of a lot of layers on this recording. Plus, you have an incredible <laughs> amount of guest artists, which we're going to talk all about. But 
Ona, I'm, I'm assuming I'm saying that correct, Ona. You are. That's perfect. Yes. And, and that's the name of the new recording. I'm going to let you describe and talk about what that means. But this is, this is quite an undertaking just from a listening standpoint. I can only imagine an undertaking it was to put this entire thing together. You wrote eight compositions, I think I'm, I, I read correctly right. on this. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then you have two. There's a lot of arrangements happening on this, but there's two incredible arrangements on this. And one of them actually Regina Carter's on, which I love because that, that recorded that, that tune I really dug. But talk a little bit, what does Ona mean and what is the, um, the whole concept behind this? Well, I mean, just doing music, it really means, and thank you so much for having me on. Um, Ona is, um, it means she in Croatian, which is my family's name. Uh, my, I was born in the States, uh, first generation American, but my parents are both Croatian. And um, the idea behind them is a woman's empowerment album that celebrates the lives of women everywhere. And it starts with the stories of women in my family. And those women have traveled from Croatia to the States. You know, we're immigrants. We came to this country. Um, my, my, uh, my parents and grandparents came to this country after World War II. They escaped communism. And, um, and so basically it's about the cross-generational, cross-cultural experiences of the women in my family and what that has meant for to be able to feel free enough to create a work like this. And so what I did was I basically went through, uh, of course, all of the, all of the experiences that I'm describing through the songs on the record are from my own personal experiences. They're my own life experiences. However, um, I also came at it from a generalistic point of view where I was thinking about the different experiences of women in general, the different emotions, the different relationships, the, um, the, the way, the ways in which women and women's sexuality are viewed, um, in the world. And just basically a music on everything that encompasses the life of a woman. Well, you know, that that's the thing that's fascinating to me, because first of all, I mean, what a time to put this out, obviously. I mean, it's very, you know, timely, but I obviously you're telling the story about your family and your experiences and your experience, the experiences of your family generationally, really. And mm -hmm. how about that coming over, uh, escaping communism and coming to the United States and then you were born here? I mean, the stories and the experiences that you probably heard about growing up have to be incredible. And, and the fact that you're able to tell those stories and bring them into music. But I feel like just from listening to, the, you know, first listen to the recording and reading a little bit about it, I feel like that, to your point, too, generalizing it, I, I think people can find a lot of very cool ways that it can relate to them as well. Right. I mean, that's mm -hmm. kind of the thought process, because, you know. <laughs> what what a time to put this out that's i mean it's it's incredible but i think that it, it kind of transfers over a lot of different women can can relate to the stories that you're telling and relate mm -hmm. it back to their families right i mean that was kind of the idea that that i i wanted to you know i i i don't um i don't want to for all women i speak from my own experience but i that women and like will find something that they can draw on from the messages of each song on the record. 
Now, this was your first time, if I read correctly, your first time writing lyrics, right? I mean, actually, like, sitting down and writing lyrics and stuff? No, that... no, no. It was my first time writing lyrics in Croatian. Ah, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Because yeah. I was like, holy cow, this is the first time you're doing this. This is pretty impressive. <laughs> oh, thank you. No, no, no. It was, it was, you know, I because I'm American-born, English is mm -hmm. my first language, I've always expressed myself lyrically in English. Uh, but I speak Croatian with my grandmother. I speak Croatian with a huge, you know my family that's in Croatia. And, uh, and a lot of these stories that I've heard from the lives of my mother, my grandmother, my great grandmother, they all come in the Croatian language. And actually, the, the, the title track of this of the album, Ona, um, it's written in English and in Croatian. So there is there are English lyrics, which are actually derived from teachings that my mother taught me because she and I speak English together. And the Croatian lyrics come from sayings that my grandmother has said since I was born um, because with her I speak Croatian. So it's basically the voices of the two important women in my life coming together in one song and I built the lyrics on their teachings. That's amazing. Let, 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 let's, I, there's so many levels of this and I, I don't want to spend four hours. With, well, I, I, we could talk about it for four hours. Yeah, let's I, do it. <laughs> Well, let, let's just break this down because as a musician myself, and I've been on a lot of projects and I, I just know the logistics of projects, just simple projects turns into a monster logistical nightmare sometimes, just scheduling everything else, let alone putting the repertoire together, writing the music, putting all the compositions together on your end and creating this whole thing. Yeah. When did you decide you wanted to do this with this theme? I mean, it couldn't have been, it had to be a, a long time planning before you even got it, got it into the studio, right? Absolutely. It was actually, it was a very organic way. In uh, January 2017, I went to the uh, Women's March in Washington in, uh, in D.C. Mm -hmm. And I was so struck by the power of that movement and that experience that I immediately came home and I wrote the second tune on the record, which is called The Resistance. And it features Stacey Ann Chin, an incredible activist and uh, spoken word artist. And uh, that was kind of the beginning of my resistance, my need for resistance music. It was this needing to really express what was happening in the world and my I mean, that's kind of what I feel artists are. We're kind of these prisms that, you know, like soak up all of this information and then we we express it in our individual art form and mine happens to be music. So um, when I got home from the Women's March, I immediately wrote The Resistance and that was just kind of my, my expression of my experience going to the march. And then I started to write a couple of tunes after that, um, not thinking that they had any link whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And once I was two or three tunes in, I realized that they had this one theme of the lives of women. It was either that it was, a uh, um, like I, when I wrote the song Pachamama, which is basically, you know, mother earth is personified as a woman and we have to protect her, but we're not taking care of her. I mean, it was just all of these things that society, uh, makes us think of male and female and the things that we associate with both male and female and how I was perceiving that with everything going around um, the world, sociopolitically and otherwise, it was just kind of my reaction to what was happening. But it actually took two or three songs of completion 
for me to realize that I was writing about the same thing over and over again from different points of view and different perspectives. Well, and I, I, I think, you know, you, you mentioned it and I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in what artists are supposed to be doing, which is exactly mm. what you're talking about, you know, telling the stories, creating something, pushing movements, pushing thought processes forward and, and really, you know, expressing themselves in what's happening in today and where they want to take things in the future. And, mm -hmm. you know, how poignant is this? Because you went to the Women's March. Now, I've talked to a lot of, you know, musicians that have gone to the Women's March, and that was a very move moving experience. Yeah. Um, and it changed the way they were perceiving their art, perceiving their career in some cases, what they wanted to end up doing and how they wanted to spend their time. So it sounds like you had that same sort of, uh, like, it's almost like an epiphany when you were there. You're like, wow. I mean, how much has this really changed your thought process from a career standpoint, too? I mean, is, is this something where you're you're you know, you're you're maybe changing the trajectory of your career a little bit because of that experience you had in 2016 now putting this whole recording together? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel Ona has become the first of a body of work that will be the representation of my artistic life. I really feel that it's the first step in this, this movement that I want to create within myself of using the platform that I have, which is music, to make a small change in the world or to resist the things that I think need changing in the world and to support the movements that I fully support. And, you know, it's, I think, really art as a method for for supporting human rights is so important. And, you know, when you look back on history, any art, whether it's music or visual art or performance art, it's so representative of the time in which it happened. And so I feel like we're the real historians. And if we don't express what's happening uh, in our way, you know, it's almost like we're, we're not helping to write the history that people are going to learn about later on. Well, that's, that's, I love the way you said that because you're absolutely right. And I'm a, I've been a big believer since I started this show. I started this show specifically when everything got shut down during the pandemic as a way to connect with people since I can't do my interviews in person anymore. So we started doing the Skype thing and connecting with people all throughout the country, actually throughout the world. I actually had a couple of people in Europe on the shows too. And right. all of them are, are somewhat in agreement. And I think you'll probably agree with this too, is that to your point, you know, you're telling the story. I love the fact that you said that it's kind of like we're historians, because when mm -hmm. you look back in the 1600s, the 1500s, you know, earlier than that, what are we reading? We're reading people's thoughts. And that's how yeah. we're really understanding how people were feeling and understanding what was happening back then. And yeah. and that's how, you know, this recording is obviously, uh, you know, a testament to what how you're feeling and also to your initiative and to get all of this out there together because a lot of people have ideas, but they can't complete them. So, I mean, that it's incredible that this happened, but also I also feel like this whole time because artists are artists, no matter how horrible it is, which it is very horrible for artists right now and music, everybody obviously in that, in mm -hmm. that field. But I feel like we always come out on the other side and something good always happens because people are constantly creating even during something that's really horrible like this. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, so 
I don't know when you were recording this. Obviously, you recorded this before the pandemic. But when you were thinking about putting this out, was that something in your mind that you said, you know what, this needs to go out regardless of a pandemic or not, because people need to hear this, need to need to understand what's happening. And I don't care if there's a pandemic or not. I don't care if I can't go play live concerts. We're putting this out because it's too important. Well, the life of this recording um, has been quite long, actually. Um, and that is for a number of reasons. Um, we actually recorded, so I started writing the material in January 2017. We recorded it in January and February of 2018 and then continued doing overdubbing and recording throughout 2018. And my plan was to release it in 2019. Um, the biggest bump in the road that happened back then, which prevented me from completing the recording and the, the post-production at that point, was that I had done a, a pledge music uh, crowdfunding campaign mm -hmm. to raise money to for the record, and uh, pledge music unfortunately stole the money. Oh, <laughs> so it was a it was a horrible situation where thousands and thousands of artists uh, across the states and across the world were affected. Um, and the company, which is actually was originally a British company, it actually went into liquidation and the company is no more. Uh, but unfortunately, the artists who had active campaigns during that time did not get the money that was paid into their projects. Wow. So, you know, I basically done this entire campaign. Hundreds and hundreds of people had supported this campaign, ordering CDs and T-shirts and various rewards and fun experiences. Yeah. And, um, and then I was left with a big bill and no way to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So I basically had to stop and slow it down so that I could raise the money, work a little bit more. Um, I got a grant as well from an incredible, um, organization, um, a foundation here in New York called the Cafe Cultural Royale Foundation. Uh, Cafe Royale Cultural Foundation, sorry, <laughs> and um, and it was uh, it was just basically a long bumpy road. So wow. the the financial aspect of being an artist right now, especially musician, is that you know the the days of the major labels and the huge budgets that they would give artists and the tour support and all of the other associated things that you would get as being a signed artist. Uh, that's no more. Mm -hmm. You if you are signed to an indie label that believes in you, maybe you'll get an okay budget, but there's, you know, it's basically the, the days of records being paid for by somebody other than artists or fans is no more. Yeah. And so it's, it took a long time to get to the point where I felt like I was finished with the recording part. So we did our first two major days in the studio in January, 2018. Then we recorded some of the guests, um, my husband and I have a studio in our basement, and so we did a lot of the overdubbing and a lot of the recording uh, down in our basement, which, you know, we've also become quasi-engineers as well because yeah. it's been a way for us to kind of have more control over the music as well. And I did um, all of the post-production, and um, and also my husband did some uh, Antonio Sanchez, an, an incredible drummer and producer. And, uh, and so basically this... Uh, delay in the finances led actually to a lot of creative choices that I may not have made otherwise if I had done everything according to plan. Mm -hmm. So that was that was kind of a blessing in disguise. 
Then the second part of it was when the record was done and I decided to shop it around to labels. And unfortunately, as we were having a brief conversation before before we started the yeah. interview, you know, this record is kind of hard to place. It's not your standard Spangalang jazz record. It's definitely not a singer's record. You know, there's some complicated stuff on there rhythmically and uh, the arrangements are very through composed and it's, um, you know, it's, it's basically difficult to place. And so when it's hard, even though it has a great story and a great message, because people don't know how to label it, they're scared of it. So I got some great, great, great feedback from some labels, but basically saying, uh, you know, some people would say we would sign you tomorrow, but our A&R people don't want us to, you know, I right. would have right. somebody, somebody from the label who would love it. And then the people who really need to decide didn't want to do it. Or I would get some offers that were just, you know, at that point, how much did I really want to lose after making such a financial investment? I had to kind of stick to my own financial plan and say, you know, how can I release this and get the biggest financial return? You know, mm -hmm. just thinking on a business standpoint. Right. So um, in the end, I decided to self-release. Um, and I was all set to release actually in September of 2019. And I had a whole little tour set up and a, uh, and a New York album launch party. And then that got delayed. And then basically I decided, okay, I'm going to wait until March, 2020. It seems like it's the beginning of the year. It's going to be great. I have more time to figure out the press. I have, you know, I'll do a music video. You know, I, I was basically all the while creating more and more content, you know, not yeah. just having the music being finished, but creating all of the, the, um, artistic content that would go along and be associated with the record. So mm -hmm. It was a huge learning experience for me. It was also the first time that I had ever self-released anything. So just wanting to do it my way and do it right and do it without rushing, um, because I was self-releasing, I had the ability to do that. And every time there was a bump in the road and I felt like I didn't shit the right way, I would just Yeah. So um, in the end, I'm really happy with the way that it turned out, very proud of it. Um, and I honestly think that the fact that it came out at the end of March, right after everybody had been on lockdown for a couple of weeks, mm -hmm. also maybe contributed to the way in which it was received because people really listened to it. And I think that without the static of everything else and the touring and the trips and the other music and live gigs, I mean, I'm sure it would have been well received in another alternate universe, but, but this was very unique, the way that people reached out to me to tell me how much it meant to them, how important it was that I was singing about these kinds of things and bringing attention to the lives of, and experiences of women and uh, getting connected with people that I, I really do feel I might not have gotten connected with otherwise. Well, I mean, what what a story, first of all. I can't, you know, I mean, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, starting a jazz magazine in 2002, I mean, I, from playing drums to starting a jazz magazine, not knowing anything about it. I've been in situations where 
uh, you know, somebody, somebody ripped me off for a lot of money or somebody advertised and didn't pay or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So I know about sleepless nights and stomach aches and going, Oh my God. So I couldn't even imagine what happened with that whole situation. That that's horrible. But the fact that you were able to probably have a heart attack for about three or four weeks and then say, okay, wait a minute. Now, what am I supposed to do here? And the fact that you navigated through that whole thing and I, I'm, you know, you and I could talk again about, about, you know, record labels now and the music business and how really important they are compared to what they were in the past. And what's, you know, and to your point though, you, you probably got the feedback from some record labels because you actually talked to the people that were maybe the creatives. But when I got to the part of the record label where these are the guys that are going to sell it or try to promote it or do something Mm -hmm. with it, they just didn't understand it. And you probably learned along the way. And and I'm sure you had a lot of conversations with your husband, too, because I'm sure he's dealt with this for a long time as as you. It's just like, you know what? Why do we want to give up so much control and have them try to pigeonhole something like this when you can't pigeonhole this? And, you know, I think a lot of artists get to the thing get get into the situation where they they spend the money they put the recording together now they got to go to a record label then they have to give up a lot of freedom or a lot of a lot of ability to do things on their own because they're gonna they just got to get on the record label and then something sort of happens with it and then in a year and a half they're like well i better record a new recording because nobody really heard that one and now i gotta do a new one because this one's already been out for a year and a half you know so exactly you know it, it it seems like it was actually you know to your to your point all of these things that happened worked out in the end because I think the product you put out is unbelievable. And the fact that people are, are, are secluded at home and listen to that. This is a recording that you have to listen to to really get the full feel of it. I mean, I listened through it. I know I have to listen to it a couple more times. There's so many layers. So I think to your point, you might've been playing shows, might've been doing stuff and might've been, and, but it wouldn't have gotten the, the, the deep listen and the connection that I think you got because of all of the things that happened along the way. Yeah. There are not, you know, any of the notes on the record that for or against me, I'm not sure, but it's not even on the record. It, there's, it's very, very dense. It's, yeah. you know, yep. the lyrics are, you know, have a heavy message. A lot of times they're very serious They're They come straight from the core of who I am. The music is also associated with the lyrics there. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of information there. And I, I, I feel like it's overdone. I feel like it's the way that it was supposed to be. And I, I, I have this kind of ongoing joke as it were that Anna, she, you know, is the mm-hmm. woman that is inside my head and she's guiding me. And I just have to follow her. She's the inner voice inside of me that's telling me the way to go. And uh, and and the more I listened to her, the better things got. It was really interesting as just as a as a human being, how much I changed throughout the process of you know conception to 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 completion. Just just in learning to be unapologetic about my own art and know that. I have this thing that I really believe in and it's okay if other people don't Mm -hmm. and that I need to stick to my guns and tell the story that I am impassioned and empowered to tell. And, uh, you know, I, I really feel like maybe it's, 
it's become a good thing. The minute people have a problem with your art, that means you're doing something right. You know, you're ruffling the feathers. <laughs> that's, that's right. And, and, you know, there's a long conversation about people that don't understand anything. And that's, I'll have to start a new show for that because I've got plenty of <laughs> topics and plenty of people we could talk about for that one. But I mean, you know, I bet you had a lot of introspection though, when you were doing this and I, you know, like this whole time when, when you can't run from a gig to a gig, to a gig or a recording project to a recording project, you're not running all the time. You're actually have to, because you can't go anywhere. You're kind of like stuck somewhere. And now this was already done and recorded and you already have everything together. But have you ever thought back and thought about when you were writing the lyrics and putting everything together, you know, some of that, you must've had some seriously, deep, quiet times where you were writing and really, really delving into, you know, what your generationally, your family went through to bring some of these lyrics out and stuff. And I, I have Absolutely. a feeling that, that a lot of singer songwriters, the really good ones do that, but they yeah. have to get to that place in their mind when they can just quiet everything down to get there because it's impossible to write what you were writing about. I think you know, in your car when you're driving from one place to another and all these lyrics come to, I think you probably had to really deeply think about stuff. And do you think that that's going to obviously, you know, carry on with you for a long time? But I mean, do, do you already have ideas about what you might want to do? I don't want you to go have to record another recording right now, but have you thought about maybe, you know, other songs, other topics, other things with that kind of thought process in mind that you can, you can start to hammer out and starting to get passionate about? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this, you know, like what we were saying in the um, just a few minutes ago is this idea of having music for human rights, music yeah. as a as a as a platform for change. And I, I I do feel like this is now my mission to to write about the world as I see it. Not that I'm the go to, you know, oracle, uh, you know, claim to have special any special opinions about anything. Um, but the way that I am perceiving the world, I feel like it's my duty as an artist to use my art in that way to express that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. Before I let you go, I, I we, we got to talk about who's on this recording because the list right. is long, but also I've got to hear first, let's talk about everybody that's on the recording, but I also have to hear a little bit. You've got to tell me some stories to be able to coordinate everybody's schedule to show up and be a special guest is, you know, I've, I've had different musicians on and they're just like, they, they were having a heart attack, mental breakdown when it was try finally coming together. Then when it finally all ended, then they were like, wow, that was really fun, but it was not fun when they were trying to schedule things. So let's talk about who's on the recording. Who's like the, the, the main group. Who's the main band. Obviously your husband's so, playing drums, yeah, but the so other three for, are those regular people yes. that you're playing with. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the core the core band uh, is made up of Carmen Stoff on uh, piano and keys, mm -hmm. uh, Jordan Peters on guitar, Matt Brewer on electric and acoustic bass, and my husband Antonio Sanchez on drums and co-production. He he did some of the co-production with me, um, and um, that is my well was pre-pandemic my <laughs> yeah. my working band. <laughs> Um, you know, Antonio comes in and out based on his tour schedule because I also sing in his band, Migration, okay. which is a, a very, very heavily touring band. Well, was a very yeah. heavily touring <laughs> band. Um, so, um, so basically, but those are the 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 people that I really feel 
understand this sound and and have this beautiful way of going from acoustic to electronic music. Um, not maybe electronic music is the wrong way of putting it, but basically bringing jazz, world music, and a pop sensibility mm -hmm. from ac acoustically to electronically. And um, they just have this understanding of creating an atmosphere with a tune instead of, you know, I mean, and that's something that, you know, Antonio, he talks about um, having learned a lot by working with Pat Metheny is that, you know, every song has a purpose and every section has a purpose to achieve what the song is supposed to be. And, you know, that's a very specific thing. You know, not all jazz is like that. A lot of jazz is just very free flowing and let's just, you know, we'll get into the tune and we'll see where it takes us. And that there's, there's a beauty in that as well. But on this particular record with these tunes, I had a, I had a really specific idea in my mind of the arc that I wanted for each of these songs and what I want solo to do and where I wanted you know the the piece to go and how I wanted it to fit into the actual segue or sequence of the tunes that's on the record and um and those that core band is really just I oh I miss playing with them well, so much <laughs> you know and it's interesting you brought that up because you know I, I knew your husband played with Pat but I mean you you hear different different uh artists sometimes it sounds forced when they're trying mm -hmm. to do certain things, right? I mean, Pat's music never sounds forced, so it sounds forced. Mm -hmm. This, it, it, it completely works. It doesn't sound for, you know how sometimes you're like, all right, let's slide this in. I don't care. You know, I know we can make it work. Let's just jam <laughs> this thing in there. It'll be great. I mean, everything flows perfectly and it doesn't sound forced at all. It, it sounds like it should be there. And that to me is what yeah. brought my ears in on it. So you know, hats off. I mean, it, it's a tough uh, way to do it, but these guys all know how to do it. And so do you. So that you guys are used to creating that kind of stuff, which is which is not an easy proposition. And I can tell everybody watching this. Think about that when you go check out this recording. So now, <laughs> now with we have a special a, guest. Yeah, we have like yeah. a list of like, what, 75 to 100 people now that are. <laughs> it's a lot of special guests on here. A I lot of it. special guests. <laughs> but, you know, my idea was that I wanted to have the voices of women artists on this record, yep. um, whether or not they were physical voices or 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 instrumental voices or or poetic voices. I just wanted to have very specific women who were all extremely different in the in their crafts, mm -hmm. but women that really said something with what they do. Um, so specifically for the title track, Ona, because it comes, you know, it draws on the stories of my Croatian heritage and the women in my family. And, you know, I really wanted, um, I, I heard, you know, the essence of a Balkan choir, like a village of women, just, you know, a rallying cry from a village of women. That was really, our, that was the inspiration that was in my head and I wanted to somehow achieve it. And it was actually in 2016, I believe, um, that um, I went to, the, I have a, a friend, a Croatian friend, also a vocalist here in New York City, um, who had her album launch party at Carnegie Hall. And I went to the concert and she brought up this group of vocalists, this Ona Rosa, uh, the Rosa vocal group, um, to do a song with her. And it was basically um, a Serbian choir that she was a part of that sang 
um, Serbian folk songs that have never been written down. They've been passed down orally wow. throughout the generations. And there, and it was a really interesting group to me because although they were singing Serbian music, there was this friend of mine who was Croatian, a Serbian girl who led the choir, a Greek girl, an American girl, an Italian girl, and a girl from India. So six women only two of whom were Balkan <laughs> and they were singing these unbelievable harmonies and, you know, microtonal things. And I, when I heard them, I got chills in my yeah. seat and I said, I have to get in touch with these girls. So I, I asked my friend, um, Astrid Kuljanic is her name. Um, you know, how can I get in touch with this choir? And she said, well, you know, I'm in the choir and I'll, I'll just connect you with the girl who runs it and we'll, we'll have a talk. And so that's how that kind of came about. Wow. I sent her, the, uh, the, the demo of the tune that I was working on and she loved it. And I said, I would just be so honored if, if the six of you could come and record on that. So yeah. they are the, the Rosa vocal group, um, and they perform on the title track. Um, and then on the second, uh, the second track, which is called the resistance, I had, um, this originally I wrote the song, like I said, after the March and I had this solo section that I, always felt was powerful, but needed something just to push it over the edge. I needed the feeling of being at the Women's March, being spoken to through one of those megaphones. You know, I just needed that feeling. Yeah. And that's, I knew something was missing for me. Uh, and so I started to research uh, feminist poetry, uh, um, you know, activism poetry. And I stumbled upon this woman named Stacey Ann Chin. And when I, I mean, she's a very, very powerful woman mm -hmm. with both things to say and lots of opinions and an incredible delivery. And when I saw a bunch of her videos, I was just, I was so blown away by the power in her words. And also her belief in herself, the belief in what she was saying and how she was saying it. And, and I just, I said, you know, screw it. I'm going to email her and see if she'd be down. <laughs> yeah. And so I found her, um, I found her email address online. I went to her website and I emailed her and I just said, look, you're an incredibly inspiring artist to me. I would love to have you featured on this particular song. Um, and she wrote back saying, great, sign me up. <laughs> and, uh, and actually, you know, now with the way that things have gone, especially with things um, relating to social justice and the mm -hmm. events of this summer and the protests and everything that have happened, um, the resistance, the song itself means that much more to me now because the, the excerpt of the poem that she recites in the song is actually part of a larger poem that she wrote for the Black Lives Matter movement oh, wow. years ago. Wow. And yeah. And so the fact that that, I mean, it just kind of all seems like it fell into place. It was not just a moment for women, but it's a, a moment for black women yeah. as well. Yeah. And um, so that was, you know, just, just knowing that that happened without any of our knowledge of what was, what was about to happen um, is very powerful. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. And then on uh, Pachamama, um, I had uh, the extreme honor of having Regina Carter play. Yeah. 
Um, and I, I met Regina Carter a number of years back um, playing in a, a great bass players band, Michael Olatuja mm-hmm. uh, and his band Legos Pepper Soup. I just, and, uh, uh, by the way, I just had him on last week. So, oh, yeah, uh, he's, he's the best, man. <laughs> he's the best. He's the best. <laughs> And uh, and so one one show that we did with Michael's band, he had Regina come in as a special guest and I got to meet Regina for the first time and we sang together. We actually sang the song that ended up being on Michael's record that we're, you know, I'm yeah. singing on it and Regina's performing. And um, and I just had this immediate connection with her that she was one of those, you know, it's 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 an interesting thing to meet one of your heroes because you know how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. You know, you have you you can love somebody's music and somebody's entire body of work and then you meet them. And as a person, either you catch them at a bad moment or they're just not too into it or, you know, you they just want you to leave them alone. You know, you never really know <laughs> yeah. what's going to happen. And she was just so welcoming and so warm and so supportive and so just a very bright light. Yeah. And from the time we performed there, the first time we together, we stayed in touch. And when I was writing this song, I I heard her sound in my head. And I did the same thing as I did with Stacey Ann. I said, I'm just going to email her and see what she says. You Mm -hmm. know, if she says no, I don't lose anything by asking. That's right. And she said yes. And actually with Regina, there was a there was a, a little bit, you know, when you were talking about the scheduling thing. So we had these two days in the studio and Regina was going to come on the second day uh, and she got the flu oh. and she called me and was like, I'm so sorry. I just I, I cannot get out of bed. I'm so sick. And I said, don't worry about it. We'll have you over to the house. We'll record in our basement. It'll be fine. Um, and, you know, but then, of course, Antonio were nervous as engineers like were we going to get Regina sound right you know <laughs> and actually Antonio is very happy that Regina he set up the mics and Regina gave him a compliment in the middle of the session saying that she loved the the way that the violin sounded so oh, wow. he was Thank he God. was set for life but <laughs> but that experience in itself um having her over and recording because you know our studio is just one room. There's no isolation. Their control room is the recording room. You know, it's just, it's very intimate. And so Antonio and I were sitting at the console, uh, and we had our headphones on and Regina was just, you know, three feet away with the mics playing over the tune. And I took off the headphones so that I could hear her without the recording. And it was, I mean, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. It's really when you when you experience someone doing something that they were born to do, and they're doing it three feet away from you. Yeah. It's really you're in you're in the presence of greatness. And the solo that she took on the record, which is I think probably one of my favorite moments of the entire recording, um, the entire record. Mm-hmm. Um, it's her first take. Oh, really? <laughs> Her first take. I mean, it was just, and she did a number of them. She was like, yeah, you know, I can do it. I can do it better. I can do it better. And every, I mean, every take was just blow. I mean, it was just one of those unbelievable things. But, that, but you know, listening back, there was some power about the first yeah. one that was just, oh. What an experience uh, to be able to do that and have your home studio. And it must have been like, uh, she must have been totally relaxed because, you, you know, you, you guys probably okay. weren't, but she was probably totally relaxed because she's 
at oh, somebody's no, yeah, house. Oh no, yeah, we were sweating you know. bullets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but it was it was great, and you know, also when you invite somebody into your home, there's a little bit of a family vibe. You have something to eat. You hang out yeah. a little bit. Yep. So that's it was a, it was a beautiful experience. And then um, Becca Stevens, who is um, the the other guest on the album, mm-hmm. she was on tour throughout all of the recording days. So she actually came to the house. And uh, and we recorded the in, the song in, in its entirety. Uh, he said, she said, in our studio. So we didn't even do any tracking in the studio oh, wow. when we did the two major days. So we did we did everything down in our in our house. And that's that's also something that is uh, special for us because we we have this magic that was created, you know, in our own home. And the walls of this house are now radiating with with this energy <laughs> and this music that uh, of the people that have walked through here. It's really special. Well, and I, I'll bet you, too, uh, you guys probably would have never thought to record that way in your house with those people. But out of necessity, you did. And now you're like, yeah. well, heck, we could we could we do could this more do often. This. <laughs> we could do this way more often. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Man. Well, yeah, so so those were the those were the the guests on the record and yeah. and you know all like I said all very different but all have such a very um, unique thing to say on each of their instruments. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and and again, it it all just works, you know. And and it it you you know, for you to be able to choose the different special guests for them to just buy in on it and to come in and 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 you know, be a part of this whole creation has to feel incredible as well. And then to see it all the way through to the end and have it come out, you know, that's the biggest thing. And and a lot of people will listen to a recording, uh, you know, even a, even a jazz quartet with a vocalist is still a a process and it's a project and it doesn't happen overnight. A lot of times it's got to go through, you know, you've got to do a lot of stuff, but this kind of a project with all the moving parts and all the writing and, and having it be so, uh, connected to you specifically. Mm. And then, you know, people come up with concepts all the time. And I'll talk to the to the people that are watching and listening to this. People come up with concepts all the time. They have great ideas. They might even get to do one tune, but it never gets to the point where it's what they wanted, what they wanted to have happen, what they envisioned, and actually maybe even mm-hmm. be better than what they envisioned, and then be able to actually put it out. And that yeah. it, it's such... It's one of those things for artists that we just take for granted because we know the process and it's we already know it's going to be all right. This is what's going to happen. We've got to go through it. We've got to deal with it. We're going to be riding emotions up and down throughout the entire process. But at the end, when we finally get it out, we're going to feel like unbelievably accomplished and get that out. And we our, our voice is out there. Our art is out there. But for the people that listen. They have no idea about the concept. So I'm so glad that you took the time to talk about the whole process. And then, you know, outside of even just writing the lyrics and putting the music together and everything else. I mean, what what a what a ride, you know, and now it's out. And so it's getting airplay and it's getting in. You know, you're get to you get to be on Chicago Music Revealed. I mean, that that just makes the whole day right there, obviously. It but, does. Yeah. It does. And I, I hope I get to bring this this to Chicago because I've, I've done a few gigs in Chicago over the last few years at uh, Constellation and yep. at Space. Um, and it's just Chicago is such an amazing scene. And I, I really hope we can we can get back there soon. Well, well, the good the good news is, is that you happen to be talking to the director of programming and entertainment at an art center that's going to be opening up with three music venues in it 
And uh, uh, so that sounds great. When we when we actually, it's a church from 1885 that's been converted into an art center slash music venue. So wow, lots of good stuff. So when we can get out of this whole thing. Now that we're connected, we'll have to talk because I've got to hear this live. We've got to have this in Chicago for sure. So before I and that's you... another that's another thing that I was sorry to, to, oh, yeah. to, to, to that's another thing that I was so looking forward to was, you know, when I released this album, I was going to do a huge New York premiere yeah. with all of the special guests, which was crazy that I had even scheduled all of them <laughs> to be in one place live at the same time. That's amazing. And then and then we were going to do, you know, a whole bunch of touring, which was scheduled. So, you know, it's uh, I can't wait to play this music live since I haven't been able to do anything with the band. I've basically been using my uh, my looping and effects pedals to create versions of the tunes on the record by myself. And that's been a huge project during the pandemic. So I've done a couple of live stream shows, um, not giving too much yet because I also still haven't figured out how to do absolutely <laughs> everything. But, you know, I could you could see my little setup oh, right yeah, there. Oh, yeah, you get the rig over it's, there, sure. <laughs> trying to uh, trying to make it work but you know that's you know that's basically what what the pandemic has been is just trying to trying to figure out ways to make things work that was that was going to be my question if you were doing some live streaming you were you were doing some things because i mean when you have something out like this you want to share it with people and you want to be able to perform it in front of people so i mean you know the fact that you're 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 trying to work through this and i my whole thing during this whole thing has always been there's a silver lining on the other side of this. At least all the musicians have the time to learn how to connect with their audience in a different way through social media, through live stream, through something. So that when we get out of this, I have a feeling that, you know, you're going to be connected with a lot more people than maybe you would have been connected with if mm -hmm. this didn't happen just simply because of like doing an interview like this or being on a live mm -hmm. stream or connecting socially. I mean, have you been able to reach out? Are there people actually, are there are, are some, some, are you hearing any feedback from Europe about this recording and things like that? I mean, this seems like something that, that might tie in directly with, you know, Croatia and all that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had, you know, I had a whole European tour yeah. that was slated to happen and, of course, is canceled or at least postponed. Um, you know, I, I had also been working on ways to extend the life of Ona. So yeah. actually, I had a, a dear friend of mine, a Grammy nominated uh, arranger, Dan Pugac, who has been big band arrangement Ona material. Wow. So that was kind of my next idea was that I could tour by myself to various big bands with my own book, because that's also very unusual for, for a vocalist to travel with her own book of yep. her own tunes, yep. you know, and all these these uh, big band arrangements. So that has kind of been put on hold since there's no touring at the moment. But I, I fully intend to to continue with that. Um, there's also a music video that's coming out, which I'm really, really excited about. We, we were lucky. We we shot the music video the weekend before the lockdown. Oh, wow. And now thinking of being with that many people in an enclosed space gives me a lot of anxiety. <laughs> but we were we were all OK. Nobody got sick. Um, but um, and then, of course, you know, in the midst of everything, I also with together with my husband, we came out on the cover of Downbeat, which was. I you saw know, that. Yeah. Congratulations. Like, That's amazing. Huh? 
which was a, an amazing thing to happen. Again, the silver lining is that so many people were home and saw it or received the, it in the mail when it was sent out again and then read the article. And so that's been, that's been great. But I think my, my biggest, um, my proudest moment or moments or project of the pandemic has actually been unrelated to the record itself, but in the same line of activism and helping our community um, together with two musicians here in New York, um, Serin Tip and Owen Broder, uh, we organized three different series uh, called Live From Our Living Rooms. And over the, we basically we've created a series of live stream performances and, and workshops and all of these things. We did a first one in April that raised 60 grand in a week. Chick Corea and Christian McBride and Bill Frizzell and Linda yeah. Mayhan Oh and you know all of these incredible people who performed as a for a, a fundraiser and we raised all this money and we were able to give a bunch of grants out to New York City based musicians and then um, following what we had done the DC Jazz Festival actually reached out to us and uh, partnered with us and we presented their summer session their DC Jazz Fest from home. Wow to benefit DC area musicians. Uh, and then we most recently finished a creative summit, which was 12 days of basically a virtual jazz camp and evening performances and webinars. Mm -hmm. uh, and so basically throughout over the three um, series that we have had since April, we've raised over 140 grand for US-based artists. That's amazing. And, and it's, uh, it's incredible. So that, I mean, my... Artistry in terms of my performing has kind of taken a step back during this pandemic, but I've used a completely different side of my brain uh, to, you know, help create this new project, which I think was something that was needed. And now I have, you know, I have the activism bug and I have the philanthropy bug. And now, <laughs> now we just have to keep going from there. You know, <laughs> I didn't know you were involved with that live from your living room. I, that's amazing. I remember seeing things yeah. about it and, and getting some information about it. We, we promoted it on chicagojazz.com, but I mean, that's amazing. Wow. Yes, me, me and two other musicians. That's the, we're the team. That's it. Wow. Are you, are you going to, well, obviously this is going to continue on as far as the pandemic. So I'm assuming there's probably going to be other projects like that, that you're going to keep putting pushing that forward and it's absolutely yeah. needed. I mean, talk about the need is enormous right now for all these musicians, all these clubs, all these venues and everybody else. So, I mean, yeah. you know, every, yeah, everything everybody can do. Well, that's amazing. I didn't even know that was, well, see, we could have talked for another hour about that, but you know, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have you back on next time. You have to let us know when that's happening again, and we'll make sure that we're promoting it on this end too. But absolutely. Um, Tom, yeah, I mean, the, the most important thing is just that even though our series finished, our fundraiser is still open and we're going to be opening our grant application cycle soon. So that's okay. the thing that we want artists to to be aware of now that we've opened it up past D.C. and New York City. And it's now all U.S. based musicians ah, um, okay. who are struggling in the wake of the pandemic. Um, you know, grants are not given based on merit they're given based on need. Yeah. And, uh, and so we're going to be opening up the grant application process soon. And, and we'll be using the money that was raised to give those grants. What's the, uh, is there a website that everybody can go to, to keep, yep. a, keep a heads up on it? Yep. It's www.livefromourlivingrooms.com. Awesome. 
Yeah. All right. Live from our living rooms.com. And of course, yeah. your website, TanaAlexa.com. And everybody needs yeah. to head over there to, to, to pick up the new recording, Ona. And man, congratulations on this whole thing. I'm so glad that we connected. And Me too. Uh, Thank wow. You. You know, hats off. I mean, I'm, I'm, we could have talked for many more hours about this recording, and uh, hopefully we'll get to experience it live here in Chicago once this whole thing ends. But keep us posted on on everything you have going on. And, uh, you know, as as things move along with the grant process for live from our living rooms dot com, uh, let us know how we can help get the word out here in Chicago, because the need is great everywhere throughout the United States and the world right now. So you know, it's amazing. And if you're a musician in the pandemic who wants to just practice all the time, I'm also going to be, I'm working on releasing um, basically on a practice tracks with charts and clicks. Really? And yeah. And basically, I mean, there's a lot of complicated music on the record. And oh, yeah, so I'm basically is. doing these uh, on a minus one tracks where basically you can, if you're a drummer, you can purchase everything without the drums, and then you mm -hmm. can play along and get the chart. And same thing for bass, piano, guitar, voices, everything. So I'm working on uh, on releasing that soon as well. Well, and see that that's a great way to to wrap this up because of what we had talked about. You wouldn't have had time to put any of that together if you were out on tour and doing everything. So now all of this sure. stuff, and I have a feeling that you know you're doing this kind of stuff. I mean, the, all of these different elements, especially for you know, your music, but other artists. I mean, this is all stuff that everybody talks about potentially doing, never have the time to do it. So now you have the time to do it and you're going to create, trust me, when you finally, when we finally get out of this and you're touring, you're going to have to get a staff of like 20 people to follow you around to implement all the other stuff. So. <laughs> That'll be the day. <laughs> the day that we can safely be with 20 people, I'll be really happy. Yeah, right. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? That's right. That's right. All right. Hey, Tana, thanks so much again. Thank it was great so connecting much, with you and congratulations on the new recording and uh, stay safe. And hopefully we'll see you in Chicago soon. Thank you. You too. All so right. much. Thanks. All right. Tana Alexa, man, now that was a fun, that was a fun conversation. I've got to say, I, you know, we were, I was looking over stuff. We were trying to connect last week and schedules got a little crazy, but you know, we made it happen this week and uh, what a way to kick off a week. TanaAlexa.com. You heard the story. Go, go check this, go check out the recording, pick up the recording and uh, follow her on TanaAlexa.com. Of course, this, this interview will be up on Chicago Jazz, the Chicago Audio Experience podcast. Subscribe to that, chicagojazz.com. Very soon, it'll be up probably in about an hour, along with chicagomusicreveal.com. And of course, it's here on Facebook and it'll be on IGTV later on this week. But what a great way to start off the week. Now, tomorrow, episode 86, we're going to have a Chicagoan who's also known throughout the world. Matt Ullery is going to be on. He's got a new recording and he's always composing. He's always writing. He's always performing. And he's always creating. He's got his his uh, uh, his record label as well that we're going to talk about. So I'm looking forward to connecting with Matt. We've been trying to connect for like six months. We're finally making it happen. So I'm, I'm excited to have him on tomorrow. Of course, it's always right here. 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, Chicago Music Revealed. And as you hear the theme music, as I always say, if you like what you hear, please like this, please share it, please leave us a message, tell a friend, tell your family, call the grandkids, Chicago Music Revealed, every day right here, 6 p.m. Central Standard Time, Facebook, and then we go on all the other platforms. So everybody stay safe, stay healthy. 
Enjoy yourself this evening, and I'll see you on the next broadcast.